Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture said that with him all things are possible. You may feel like this situation cannot be fixed. It cannot be resolved. Let me tell you, there ain't nothing too broke that Jesus can't put it back together. There ain't nothing so sick that he can't heal it. That's right. There ain't no fear that he can't chase away. The Lord is able in this place to do the miraculous. He's, the scriptures are full of situations that were one way, it was a fact, but when he got done, it was another. Blinded eyes open, dead people coming back to life, lepers cleansed from the leprosy, spirits cast out of people, things different. One man had a legion, lived in the tombs, miserable life, but said the people that knew him when they came back, they found him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Jesus can do a miracle today. Jesus can do a miracle for you today. It can never be understated. It can never be overstated that Jesus is able to do the miraculous. Friend, I trusted him a long time ago and I promise you, it pays off. He can do it. He can do it. Don't look up here and say, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to, you, you. yeah, I wasn't always the pastor. I didn't always know him, but he always knew me. And he knows you. You may have not always been close to him, but he's always been close to you. And he's just waiting to, to show himself. The Bible says he would love to just show himself strong on those behalf of those that trust in him. If you could just trust him today, I wonder what God might do before we leave this building. Let's clap our hands to him one more time. Give him a praise. Hallelujah. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles and want to turn quickly, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And I... God's good. Good to see all of you here, all of our visitors again. Thank you. It's good to see Mama Sandra, Sister Sandra, and Sister Lori, Sister Shelby. Glad y'all are here with us today. And just thankful to see some uh, really family to me, just folks that I've known my whole life and thankful to be with them the house of the Lord today. Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5. Man, this is a catchphrase used all the time, but God. <laughs> but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin hath he quickened us together with Christ and by grace ye are saved. I want to preach for a little while on this today, even when, even when. Let's pray together for the lesson today. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for what we feel in this house, for the miracles that are being done. We thank you, God, for your goodness, your kindness, 
And Lord, that you see us right where we are. God, I just pray today that you'll help us to hear what the Spirit would say. Lord, I just rebuke the spirit of doubt, of discouragement right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, let these people hear and believe and let their lives be changed. Let us all be changed today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise for his word. What a great God. What a great God. We thank you. You can be seated and God bless you a bunch today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Even when that little phrase right there lets us know that, that the Lord is, while he is concerned about our condition, he is not put off by our condition. Never think that God doesn't care about where you are, but he is concerned about where you are. But wherever you are, it doesn't put him off. Well, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's holy and righteous. He's the mighty God. and He's the Lamb of God. He's the Savior of the world. He's, he's Jesus. Right. And nothing that we've done and nowhere we've been in our condition does not phase him. It doesn't scare him off. One of my favorite stories in the scripture is of a leper who came down and cried out to him and said, if you will, you can make me whole. To understand in that day that lepers were forbidden to be around people without leprosy. Uh, they had to go around uh, with their face covered and cry unclean as they would come through so people would know that lepers were coming. If you touched them or touched anything they touched, you were unclean. And so you didn't touch lepers. But when this leper came to him, with his skin falling off his bones. If you will, you can make me whole. And Jesus did not draw back. He didn't say keep your distance. But before he ever healed him, he put his hand on him. He said, and Jesus touched him and then said, I will. And he was made whole. He was not afraid of leprosy. He was not afraid of what people would think about him because of this man's leprosy. But he knew there was a need that had to be met. And Jesus will always go right to the need. And he will go right to the needy. He will go to those that are in trouble. He will go to those that are cast out. He will go to those that don't like themselves. He'll go to those that other people don't like. He'll go to the ones that we don't like. Yeah. Even though we're his kid, he'll, he loves people we don't love. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. It's the truth. And I'm going to tell you today that the Lord is not put off by your sin, by your failure, by your mistake, by your mess up, by your own self-loathing. <laughs> He's not put off by your doubt. He, he, he knows where you've been. But he's concerned about where you're going. And even when we were dead in sins. I'm so glad he's the resurrection and the life. And I'm not just talking about of the natural body, but I'm talking about this spiritual man. I'm glad that whenever I find myself in a place, uh, even today, where I feel like uh, the life is draining out of me, I can call on the resurrection and the life. But friend, I know what it's like. I'm not talking about something I don't know about. I, didn't, I wasn't raised 
uh, cutting my teeth on the pew. It wasn't that we were ugly, just ungodly people. My mom sent us and we went to church when we were growing up. I just didn't listen to it. I made my own decisions about that stuff. And I grew up living the way I wanted to live. I know what it's like to live without God, to ignore God. I know what it's like to make awful mistakes. I know what it's like to have several days in and not be sober. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to, to drink and to fight and to smoke dope and to lie and cheat and steal. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be ugly and ungodly, to talk filthy and be ugly. I know what it's like. But even in all of that, Jesus knew right where I was. And even when I was dead in sins, uh, he quickened me. He died for me. He gave his life for me because he is rich in mercy. And I'm going to tell you something today. We have a hard time accepting that this holy God will have anything to do with us. That we have just messed it up too bad. That we just can't seem to get our steps right. We just can't seem to get it all together. And we cut ourselves out of the mercy and goodness of God. We render it ineffective in our life because we just think there's no way he can care about me. But even when, even when we were dead in sins, the psalmist said in 139 and 16, Lord, your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. God, you saw me when I was incomplete. You saw me where I was lacking. You saw me when I was drinking. You saw me when I was drugging. You saw me when I was doing all the things I shouldn't have been doing. And even though you saw me like that, you died for me. Friend, that is still the message for the ages. That Jesus Christ, the righteous, died for sinners like you and me so we could be washed in his blood and be made whiter than snow. He said, come and let's reason together. And though your sins be as scarlet, I can wash them white as snow. And I'll tell you today that the blood of Jesus still washes us from all sin. Come on, somebody. Have you been blood-bought? Have you been washed? We used to sing, have you been washed in the blood? If you've been washed in the blood, you ought to lift your hands and thank God right now because you didn't come out washed. You didn't come into this world washed. We come into this world born under sin. We lived our lives and made our mistakes and did the things we shouldn't have done. But Jesus loved us even when. And Jesus died for us even when. Come on, somebody. Jesus said in Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man is come. He had a purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. You need to quit acting like God don't care about you, like you, you, you got some special hold or some special place that you done won first place in the God can't save me category. There ain't nobody that God can't reach. There ain't nobody that he can't save. There ain't no sin that he can't wash away. There ain't no vessel he can't mend. There ain't no life he can't put back together. There ain't no path he can't straighten out. There ain't no prison door he can't open. There ain't no addiction he can't free you from. Come on, somebody. It's no wonder that Paul said, I'm just going to keep preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified because it's the answer for every situation. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. 
The Lord trying to let you know. The Spirit of the Lord is trying to let you know. Quit walking up to the right to the line and backing up. The Lord loves you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done, but he loves you. He died for you. I think sometimes we treat our lives like automobiles. And we act like we're the insurance adjuster. You know, you can have an accident in a car. And it doesn't matter what kind of car, luxury car, might be a Pinto. Some of y'all don't even know what a Pinto was. A Chevette. Uh, give you something, a little, you know, Ford Escort, something like that. The old ones. But it doesn't matter what it is. If you have a wreck in that car, there's going to be somebody come out and look at it. And they're going to decide, is it fixable or is it totaled? And what they will do is decide... Let's see how much it's going to cost to fix it. Is it worth it? Sometimes it could be fixed, but they say the price is too high. Well, that's what we do in our life. It's totaled. It can't be fixed. But I'm telling you right now that Jesus paid the price. And it ain't wrecked so bad that he can't fix it. He said, behold, I make all things new. Come on, somebody. If any man be in Christ, uh, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new, and all things are of God. I'm trying to reach somebody today. I'm trying to talk to you in this house uh, because uh, you, 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 you got this habit of hanging around uh, the house of God. You got a habit of hanging around the spirit. You got a habit of, 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 of listening and coming up to the line, but you just don't believe that it's for you. But I'm telling you today, it's for you. And it ain't just something, that, uh, a suggestion to help make your life better. It's a necessity. You and I, we need the sacrifice of the lamb. We need the blood of Jesus. We need the Holy Ghost in our life. We need what he did. And it's for all of us. This great loving Savior who offers this beautiful salvation. Oh, it just seems so hard to believe that he could be for us. But he formed us from the womb. And we can't hide from him. He has seen and observed every imperfection since you were born. He has watched you and he knows what we are. Check this list out. Every mistake, every slip up, every mess up, every intentional act of rebellion, every word we speak, every thought we think, every place we have been, every place we're going, everywhere we should not have been, anything we have watched or listened to, he's been there. There is not one single thing that Jesus did not or does not know about you. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Come on, somebody. He knows everything about you. And even when he knew all of this, regardless of the fact of where we were and what we've done, he died for you and for me. He gave his life 
that we might live because this is what he does. And he's still doing it today. I know what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. I know what I'm talking about. I never thought in my time, in my life, that God could care about me. Before I came to him, I just knew how I'm going to be the one who just barely misses it. Not the one who just barely makes it. I was going to be the one who was going to miss it because I could not get my life in order. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't stop that slide. I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop smoking dope. I couldn't stop the running around and partying and carrying on and, and doing all the things I was doing. I just couldn't stop, so I just got deeper and deeper into it. And then just real quick, when I finally started going to the house of the Lord, even sitting there in that church, I could see what was happening and I, could, I just saw it's not for me. I was watching people pray and get the Holy Ghost and getting baptized and getting healed and running the aisles and shouting and worshiping. And I thought, but it's just not for me because I, I, I know that God knows me and I know he knows what I've done. And, and so I, it's just not me. And on the, the night before, he got me. I made a statement. I told someone that I'm not going back to church. I'm done with it. Because I'm not going to be no hypocrite. I'm not going to go out on Friday and Saturday and then come strolling in here on Sunday and act like everything's fine. I, I, so I had that wrong mindset. And, and so I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And the person I was talking to looked at me and said, but going to church is good and you need to go. And I made this statement back. Last thing I said to him that night, I said, I know it's good. I can't do it. Sis, I don't know if you can pull this up right quick, but if you can find James 4 and 17, I want you to put it up there and leave it there for a moment. On Wednesday, that was on a Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, Wednesday evening, I got a phone call. Hey, are you going to go to church tonight? And I said, yes, basically, I thought so I could just keep them off my back. I went and I got ready. I was get, about to get ready. I always I had this big gold loop earring I used to wear, and I said I'd, I'd wear it because I'd want people to say something about it. And they never would. I'd wear that big dangling lightning bolt, and they, they just wouldn't say nothing. I couldn't get nobody to bite, you know. I said, because if they say something, I'd be like, uh-huh, that's them. I said, church people, I ain't, I'm out of here. They just love on me and say, come on, man, we're glad you're here. I went that night, and from the opening chord of the piano, the Holy Ghost dropped in that house, and the power of God was moving in that place. People were falling out on the floor, praying in the Spirit, worshiping, running. Just church was going on, and I was sitting in, in that pew, and I felt something just all over me, and I thought, man, I've got to get out of this place because I don't belong here i got to go. This is not right. I, I shouldn't be here. And all of a sudden, Sister Rebecca Crider, she stopped the music, brought it down and said, the Lord gave me a scripture for someone tonight. And it's James 4 and 17. And I'm going to remind you of what I said on Tuesday night. I know it's good, but I can't do it. And she said, the Lord said, someone needs to know this scripture. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good 
and doeth it not, to him it's sin. And I heard it, and I just shook my head and said, no, 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 no. And Sister Everhart said, say it, say it again, say it again. I can see that guitar like this and doing like this, say it again. And she read it the second time, and when she read it the second time, I couldn't hear any music. I couldn't hear nobody praying. It was like all of a sudden everything went quiet except for this real calm voice right next to me. And there wasn't nobody sitting next to me. But the Lord spoke right into my ear and said, I heard you last night. That's my answer. So what are you going to do? And as soon as that little statement was over with, all the sound came back, people's going on, running. Buddy, you talking about somebody getting to the altar? I cried and I shook and I trembled. I thought, I said, I don't even know how to describe. I said, all I can tell you, I said, ladies, I don't know what it feels like to have a baby flipping over in your stomach, but there was something moving inside of me. And I got down to that altar and I, I began to pray. And all I could think of was, there is no way this is happening. How God was eavesdropping on my conversation. He's got so much to do. But he was concerned about me. Me. And now you think, oh, you're my pastor. I love you. I just know I'm so No, you, you better be glad you didn't know that guy. You better be glad you didn't know that guy. I didn't know how to do things right. I didn't know how to be good. I didn't know how to treat people right or talk to them right or act right. I didn't know. You better be glad you didn't meet me then and know me then because I wasn't who I am now. Man, I'm telling you, I was rotten from the inside out. But that night, God began to move some things. And he let me know, you thought a lot, you think very little of yourself, but I think very highly of you. And you think you're not worthy of this, but I made you worthy. And you think I don't want you, but I've been chasing you. And I've been watching you. And I've been listening to you. And I want you to know that tonight, here's my answer. And I don't know where I went after that. I don't know what God would have done. I don't know what low he would have had to brought me to if I'd have left the house that night. But honey, I didn't leave the house. I went to the altar and I threw my hands up and I said, whatever it is, God, take it away. Just get rid of it. And I, man, let me tell you, he wasn't worried about it. He said, oh no, you've been too bad. You've had too much go wrong. But he laid his hands on me and things began to go right. And I got up and got baptized in Jesus' name and washed in his blood. And honey, that was over almost 30 years ago and I'm still going. It ain't got no doubts about turning around. Honey, I'm going to make it all the way home because Jesus wants me to get there. He'll do it for you. You hear what I'm saying today? You don't have to think, well, it won't last. It won't stick. It will stick. You can make it. You can get there. He ain't hit and miss with salvation. If we want it, honey, we can have it and we can make it all the way home. Even when, even when, even when, oh, I can't figure that out. I don't know why God was worried about my conversation and I don't know why God was worried about me at all. 
I can't imagine all the people that I could probably have listed at that time that would have been a better candidate for this. But he said, oh, no, because he said, you can't see what you could be. And that's the problem. You can't see right now what you can be. You don't believe you can be better. You don't believe you can be anything of any value. But God is saying today, yes, you can. Woo! When God gets done, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what he does. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, he said, this, you hear me, this is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of all acceptation. It means everybody should just accept this. You just understand it. That Christ Jesus, he came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul did not think very highly of himself. Uh, He says he's the chief of sinners and he's the least of the apostles. But to us, Paul, oh, look at Paul. Man, we think Paul's great. See, you never know how great you can be until you let Jesus work in your life. Paul, Paul persecuted the church. Paul, he, he caused people to be locked up for the name of Jesus, to, to blaspheme the name of Jesus. He stood by while they stoned Stephen to death. He, he, he was persecuting the church of Christ. And God still got him. said, I still want you. Because <laughs> I can see, I know what you can be. And you think I can't be nothing more than what I am now. Oh, you don't know Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus can do a work that will change your life forever. And then he said, for this, this is what he said. This is why Jesus did this. For this cause I obtained mercy, that in me Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. What he just said was he did it so people could see what he could do. He said, he did it to me so people could see. He could take the worst. He could take a murderer. He could take a killer. He could take somebody that was awful and turn them into something wonderful. He could take them from being a persecutor and turn them into a preacher. He could make them something. And Paul never lifted himself up. He always said, I, I felt like I had to labor the more abundantly because of who I was and what I did. And, and, but, but anyway, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Oh, if you'll just let the grace of God work in your life. Where sin did abound, the grace of God does that much more abound. God is still in the saving business. Hello, somebody. He's still in the saving business. And he don't care where you've been, but he does care about where you're going. I think about the prodigal son that came home. We talk about him leaving the father's house. But, it, you know, I think about Jesus. To us, we're all his, whether we knew it or not. But when that prodigal son came home, he was filthy. He'd been working in a pig pen. He was malnourished and probably full of sores and just uh, he, there was a famine. And so he wasn't eating. And he, he was just nasty and filthy and stinking. And I just, I picture him the worst possible way I can picture him. And when he got on that road home, the father ran out and grabbed him and fell on him and kissed him. I just feel like the son's like trying to back up like, no, oh, no, 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 no. You don't know where I've been and I'm, I'm filthy and I'm, I, I, I smell bad and I'm, I'm horrible. I got sores. And I'm, but the father don't care. I don't care. You're home. I don't care. You're here. Go get him a robe. Let's cover up so nobody can see what's wrong. 
Go get him some shoes, put on his feet. Go get him that ring and, 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 and go kill the fatty cat. Let's, let's start celebrating. You're going to celebrate? That other son said, you're going to celebrate for this guy? He was out living with harlots and drinking and doing all this stuff and, and just abusing your name and, and making a mockery of our family. And now you're going to have a party for him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am because this is my son. And nothing changes that. I don't care where he's been, what he's done, and who he did it with. I don't care. What I do care about is that he's home. He was dead, but now he's alive. He's back, and I'm going to restore him. I'm trying to tell somebody today. I'm trying to help you. You need to see God is interested in your restoration. It's not only, listen, it's not only about what you've done. It's about what you need. A Savior. A way to be saved. I see him over and over in the scripture talking to people whose lives are a wreck. One woman who had had five husbands and the one she was with was not her husband. When Jesus got through offering her living water anyway, anyway, it wasn't hid because he told her, he said, I know you had five husbands and I know the one you're living with now ain't your husband. She run back to the city and said, come meet a man that told me all I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Let me tell you, yeah, it's him. Because ain't nobody will love you like Jesus will love you no matter what you've done. He knows your history. He's got your background check. He has everything that he needs to know. But he loves you anyway. You got to see him today and know that God loves you. Regardless of her past, even though she was living like that, loved her. I see Jesus going to the ones that others reject and people had written off, healing people, delivering people, giving hope to the sick, those that were possessed by devils, sinners. A woman caught in the very act, it said, of adultery. They drag her in front of him and say, they, 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 we're going to see what you say about people in sin, Lord. You without sin cast the first stone. That's what I'm going to say. And when she looked up, everybody was gone except Jesus. And he said, where are your accusers? And she said, no man condemns me. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. He took a woman that by law, he could have agreed. He said, you're right. By law, she should be stoned. That's the law. But he said, I, since I know all y'all's history, <laughs> you better be careful about carrying them rocks around. <laughs> he knows everybody's history. And he said, so you without sin cast the first stone. Oh, I think I'm just, I hear my wife calling. I got to go. <laughs> People start dropping rocks and running. It wasn't nothing but her and the Lord. Let me tell you, when it comes down to it, that's what it's all about. You and Jesus. And hearing those words, neither do I condemn you. I died for you. I shed my blood so you could be I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to wash your sins away. Drunks, thieves, prostitutes, even the dead. He was always going to people in need. In Matthew 9, 11 through 13, the Pharisees, they saw Jesus sitting at the table with these sinners. They said, why is your master eating with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard what they said, he said unto them, they that behold don't need a physician, but they that are sick. 
but go and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He said, I've come to find those that are broken and busted and have given up and have no hope and other people don't want anything to do with. He said, I'm coming to those that need a physician. They need a savior. They need my sacrifice. And that's us. That's us. Whether you realize it or not, you've eaten with Jesus before. Because he sits at the table with you. He sits in the car with you. He goes to class with you. He, he sits in your house with you. He knows who you are. He's hung out with you a long time. But now he's ready to do something about it. He's ready to heal you, to fix you. Realize it. In Romans chapter 5, in verses 6 through 10, I'm getting, I'm coming, I'm getting ready to come to a close. In Romans chapter 5, if I can get there. Verses 6 through 10. It said, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. And yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So much more then now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. You see, when we were enemies, he said, I want to save you. I want to change you. In Proverbs 10 and 12, it says, love covers all sin. It don't matter what you've done. Love never fails. And love covers all sin. His love is great enough to fix you. I ain't against programs and I ain't against, you know, help and finding help and doing things. I, I love it. I believe it ought to be out there. We've got a great uh, ministry coming out of our church, the Restoring Hope Ministry, and it's going to be fantastic. Man, God's going to reach so many lives through that. And I'm behind it. We've got a great uh, counselor, uh, people that can counsel. And, man, they know I'm behind them. I believe in it. But any of these people will tell you, hey, but we can't hold a candle to what Jesus can do. You better know it. They ain't a man, a woman alive can hold a candle to what Jesus can do. They ain't a surgeon or a doctor alive that can hold a candle to what Jesus can do. And so that love that he has, it can fix you. It can heal you. It can change your life forever. In Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Lord said this, The Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know, you can't even, that word everlasting, it means eternity, a time out of mind. We can't even comprehend eternity. And he said, and that's why you can't, that's why you have trouble understanding that God could love you. Because you can't understand that he's always loved you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And, and because his love is compared with eternity, 
we can't even comprehend. He said, I know you don't get it, but you just got to believe it. You got to try me, taste and see, the scripture said. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Many times he'd say, try me. Try and see if God won't fix you. We've always been known by him and always been loved by him. His love has no equal. Jesus said, greater love has this than uh, no man has than this, and a man would lay down his life for his friends. He gave his life for you. In Isaiah 53 and 5, the prophet described his suffering. He said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him, and with his stripes we are healed. A.W. Tozer, in a paper that he wrote on the glory of the cross, he said this, when Jesus went to the cross, he was not being punished for anything that he had done, but his suffering was corrective, and it was for us, and he was willing to do that for us. Jesus didn't go to the cross because he got in trouble. He went to the cross because we were in trouble. It was for us. And it was corrective. What he did there can fix it. You can stand with me this morning. I know I've got to wind down now. And this is a subject that you could talk about days and days. 1 Samuel 2 and 8. When Hannah was praying, she said this. She was praising God for what he had done. so funny to me and strange the comparisons in this verse of scripture but it says God he referring to God he raises up the poor out of the dust and he lifts up the beggar from the dung hill you know what a dung hill is it's, it's filth and waste and he said I'll take these poor people these beggars they got nothing to offer got nothing they can do they're filthy they're dirty he's trying to paint a picture of that filth of the flesh he said but I will set them among princes royalty and I will make them or give them an inheritance to the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them he just said this is my world and I can do what I want to because <laughs> people don't understand God I, I think I'd pick somebody else not, don't get that guy out of the dust, don't get that guy out of the, the filth, out of the dung hill there's plenty of other nice, good, clean, young, upstanding people, we can, I want them so I can give them an inheritance and I can do it because this world's mine and it doesn't matter. You see what he's saying? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about your life or about your past or about your shortcomings or your failures or mistakes. It don't matter. It matters what he thinks. And he's like, hey, you want to know something? Our personalities don't magically go away when Jesus steps in. You know, he didn't just change us into mindless robots. But he washes, he, he starts fixing the problems. 
so we can become better people and become the people he wants us to be even, even though we were in sin. In Isaiah 45 and 22, the Lord said, look unto me. Well, we've looked everywhere else. We've tried everything else. And so he's like, I heard a song the other day, an old one. It's an old hymn. It says he was there all the time. He was there all the time. I was doing my own thing, but he was there all the time. He was just waiting patiently in line. He said, I'm going to let you get through running crazy trying to bust through all these other doors, trying to find your solutions. I'm going to let you wear yourself out, then I'm going to still be here saying, try me. Look unto me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Regardless of what you've done, and regardless of what you think of yourself, because we need saving, because he is God and most of all because he loves us even when we were dead in sins oh, I wish I could give it to you I wish I could get to people and help them see and don't waste so much time trying to figure it out just come to him but I realize people's got to run their own race they're going to walk their own path and as much as you want to save people you just can't but you hear what I'm saying today I know because I have tried it and seen I have proved it that God is faithful to his word and I promise you if you think what you want to about me today well you're the pastor and yeah but like I said I wasn't always the pastor not even close this is 30 years worth of work that God's done on me. It didn't happen overnight, but it started one night. It's got to start sometime. While she's playing this morning, I want us to just take a moment to lift our hands and just receive what God's saying, and then I'm just going to open this altar up. But before, we, before anybody makes a move, I just want you to, I want you to trust me for a moment. And if you would, just lift your hands for a moment. Close your eyes and just think about what the message just said. And I'm going to pray just a short prayer that God will just let liberty be in this house. Precious Lord, I just love you today. and I stand here to thank you once again for calling me out of darkness. Thank you, God, for eavesdropping on my conversation that night doing a work in me Lord I know there's others in this building today that they love you they want their life to be different but they hadn't quite realized that you're the answer or that you would even have anything to do with them but Lord I pray that a liberty of the spirit will move in this place right now thank you Jesus Lord that there'll be liberty in the Holy Ghost right now for people to step out, to lift their hands, to lift their hearts, to give themselves over to you, to seek you, Lord, to hear that knock at the door and open. And God, I know you can touch their lives and change them today.
in the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. While she's playing, I want to just give you an opportunity. If you'd like to come pray today, if you want to come and see what kind of change God could make in your life, if you know, preacher, you was preaching right to me today. If you know the Lord was, maybe he's been eavesdropping on your conversations or your thoughts, and he's heard what you've said or what you've thought about yourself, would you come find a place to pray today? Would you taste and see that the Lord is good? Would you trust him in this house today? Let him bless you.